Stephanie Coxon. And I'm Kathy Anderson Martin. And we are two women influencing real life. So let's twirl. There is a fight over your children. It is not taking place with fists and knives, but over school boards, books, and principles. The GOP is kicking out conservatives, supporting Democrats, and acting like the American people are just going to put up with it. Today, we will introduce you to a lady who is at the center of the fight and who may be waking up a nation. I'm Stephanie Coxon. And I'm Kathy Anderson Martin. And we are two women inspiring real lives. So let's twirl. I want to introduce our guest today, uh, Kelly Pottinger. Kelly, welcome. Um, we we're excited to have you here. I know that you're a small business owner, a wife, a mom of two kids, and um, we're going to share a little bit about how you've gotten into this fight and what that all means. Um, before we do that, just to recap a little bit of what we talked about last week, we American education system sucks. Okay. Well, that's one way to say it, but what we're going to actually say, thank you, Stephanie. That was the short version. We shared some dismal statistics for math and reading in the public schools that only a third of the kids uh, nationwide are proficient in math or reading. Sometimes it's less than a third. So it's a problem everywhere. And we've walked, talked about lots of excuses. We need more money. We always need more money. Isn't that always the answer? We all do. Yes. Well, everybody needs more money and all the things that they say. But Kelly's really been at the fight at the fight on the grassroots level. Yeah, I think, you know, three years ago, a lot of us got really upset with all the closings, the maskings, the vaccine, the forced vaccine mandates and everything else. And a bunch of us decided to take action. You know, while some people hid, other people came out of the came out of the shadows was like, here I am, hear me roar. And that was Kelly. And um, she has a really interesting story. And I would say this is happening across the country. When we when we share the story of Kelly, we're really sharing mothers across the country who have been called terrorists for trying to stand up for their children. And dads. And dads. And dads. And dads. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. That's okay. Absolutely. Dads as we're well. We're not a discriminator here. No. We love not. men. We do. <laughs> yes, we do. And so, um, you know, just the story behind it, but the reckon the the recognition that her story is not alone. It is still a big fight, and it's not just with the Democrats. So let's kind of dig in a little bit to what is happening and how you got involved um, politically, because you have, well, let's start with this. You decided to become a GOP committee woman, right? Yes, I did. And thanks for having me. I did decide to become a GOP committee person before I actually decided to run for school board. And I did ask the GOP um, leadership, if that was going to be a problem or a conflict of interest when I did decide to run for school board, because I was going to be running against two incumbent Republicans. And they said that wasn't a problem that the people would decide. Yeah. And I think that's a good, good thing. Yeah, right? that's absolutely a good thing. So no big deal, right? That, so they said. So you love your country. You have conservative values. You want to help in the elect- electoral process. You join the GOP. You want to help change your school. Everything is perfect, right? But, no, well, no, it's not. Well, I have a question before that. But before you decided to run for GOP, you were you active at all in no. politics or school Um, what's happening in school or anything? Not at all. And when the COVID hit, my kids went to public school from kindergarten through middle school. And then when COVID hit, we realized that there were problems and how they were trying to address the issue with 
teaching our children from Zoom and from home or going to school a couple of days wasn't really working. And I just thought I needed to find out actually what was happening at the school board meetings, what was happening in the school, who's making the decisions that were going to affect my children's education. And so I did, decided to become involved that way. Um, after I decided to become a committee person, because we just thought we needed to get involved because there were a lot of concerns. And did that happen from going to these school board meetings and interacting with the school personnel? Yes. I think the biggest problem that we faced when we started going, we thought, well, we'll find out what they think. They'll understand what we think and we can work together because I ask you one quick question. You said when we started to go, was that you, your family or friends or who was the we? Um, We were people that I met, parents that I met along this journey that were not friends before, but now are dear friends because we had similar concerns and we just started talking and realizing that all of our children were suffering and that we needed to address it. So started to go with some some friends. And I think probably one of the biggest kind of red flags was the lack of transparency in the school districts. And I don't know that a lot of people are aware there's actually a school district, I think it was in Bucks County, who sued a parent 10 times, 10 times to prevent her from getting information about what was going on in the school. They sued, the school district yes. sued the parent. Yes, because they have that much money, your tax money, to sue the parent. Yes. So- because she's trying to find out what's happening in her own children's school that she's pays for as a taxpayer. Is that well, correct? Well, yes. And I was told many times I did many right to knows because if you just ask questions, you don't get answers. So we have to go through this process. And then we got scolded. Um, can publicly. I ask, I'm sorry sure. to interrupt. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Because a lot of people may not know what is a right to know when you said you filed a right to know. So it's a request form to the school district. So if you write to the school board or to administration and they don't answer, you can do a formal request for information that should be provided publicly. But what happens is they have five days to respond, but then they have a 30 day extension, which they usually use um, to prolong the access of the information. And you can use uh, this right to know request to find out anything, really, because it's supposed to be transparent, correct? Correct. But we've gotten into an area. And I think when we were sitting there listening to our kids online, what the teachers were saying, um, I even had some friends who heard the teacher say, don't tell your parents as the parents were sitting across the other side of, you know, CRT, SEL, so like critical race theory, right? Social emotional learning, some of this stuff that is really debilitating to the relationships of children in general, not only to the parent, but even to their peers. And so these requests are really important because otherwise they're the school districts are really hiding stuff from parents. Right. And the problem is though, um, it's a bunch of bureaucracy. Even once you ask for it. I have been denied several times, even after I appeal it. And it just comes back because the solicitors are involved. So it's a big conglomerate of people trying to block information. So a lot of times, you even if you do a right to know, you're not going to get the information that you're looking for. So you're trying to find out what your child is or what situations are happening in the school from the school. And I'd like to reiterate this point from the school that you pay for everything that happens in there as taxpayers, and uh, they have to send that to a solicitor mm-hmm. to say, hey, can we share with you what actually happened in the school? So we're also paying for a solicitor. Correct. It's what it sounds like. I, I, I just, just want to be sure that you we, know, yes. and what our we priorities told, are straight. Okay. What we were told is we actually wasted over $100,000 with our right to knows. Well, if they would have just given us the information... They wouldn't have had to spend so, that money. So, so, the, so the school wasted a yeah. hundred thousand yeah. dollars trying to prevent you. you. Yeah. Oh, that sounds that sounds right. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Um, we just appreciate how this all works and sharing how it works. And if you're a parent listening and has had this experience, you're probably laughing and saying, yes, I've been through that, but uh, okay. All right. So we understand now. And, Thank you. And what I find really fascinating. So you're running for school board. You actually won the Republican ticket with 30% ac- excess, right? Yes. Against I, the incumbents. Yes. I was running against two Republican incumbents and the one incumbent that, that came in second to me, I actually beat her over by 30%. And with that, the GOP even though you were a committee person, still are a committee person, that's a whole nother story. So Our, I don't think she is a committee person, right? Um, I'm suspended indefinitely. Okay. If anybody can define that, that would be helpful. Okay. Along well, we'll with, along that with, one. Along we'll with quite a few other people yes. who yes. who apparently did nothing nothing different than what the head of the but, GOP but we, did. But yeah. we digress. Okay. So you won the so primary. You won the, you won the primary, but yet the GOP is not backing you. Is that correct? That is correct. But that does come back to that other story um, because they did um, target nine committee people that were patriots, that were actively working for the Republican Party going out, but with when you go against the committee um, chair and the leadership that they decided, and this was words that the leadership used, they should purge us from the committee. So Kelly has been purged. purged. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and, I, and let me just, and let me just say this, this isn't new. I think what we're learning as a nation, at least here in the U.S., what we're learning is that our GOP is really not supporting conservative candidates. They're putting in candidates that they want. And we saw that in Pennsylvania with um, Senator Douglas Mastriano, with um, candidate Kathy Barnett. They, they literally will shift things, hold back money and everything else to prevent the rightful candidate from taking their place. And that even means that the Democrat wins. Right. And I think the bigger issue with that, it's who the party leadership wants. And the bigger thing with Kelly's case, and even with Doug Mastriano, who was the candidate for um, governor of Pennsylvania, the Republican candidate, they are usurping who the voters put in and chose as the candidate. So Kelly's been chosen as the Republican candidate by an overwhelming majority by Republican voters. So they're putting themselves above voters and saying, hey, this is not what we want. So we're going to find other ways to punish you. Right, Kelly? Correct. So what they decided was that they were just basically going to ghost me. So they have had a training meeting at the Republican House that I had no communications. I did email and ask um, why did I not get a invitation to? Um, I asked if I was going was to it, be. Could it have been lost in the mail, Kelly? It could have been. Okay. I just, been. you know, I'm just trying to. Right. It's funny off. because Maybe the email. mail-in ballots aren't lost in the mail. I don't understand. Can't well, I mail or not. I don't know. She Maybe. should have gotten 10 invitations <laughs> yes. if it had anything to do with the election process. Maybe your process. email didn't work um, or text. I, you know, actually, all both, I both text and email. So okay. we had options. All right. So maybe, maybe that's not, maybe that was a little intentional, and, but please go on. And I'm not sure um, where they stand on. There's usually a card that's given out at the polls that day that will say, these are Republican candidates. So we're not really sure where that stands right now. I've asked, but again, there's absolutely no communication. Well, if history... Uh, you know, sets a precedence. They did not give out 
Senator Mastriano's cards for the gubernatorial race either. I mean, they really, it's, if, you know, let me just put this out there that if you are donating to the GOP, you need to stop. You need to donate directly to the candidate that you want to support. Do not do um, donations to these, these PACs because they are putting their money Towards the parties, towards the parties, not towards the candidates that the American people are voting in. And this is across the country. This is not a Pennsylvania issue. We just happen to have a, you know, a person deep in the trenches dealing with it and not backing down that I just find fascinating uh, your story. And it's um, it's scary, too, because, again, it's really not party Democrat, Republican. It's the elite controlling wannabe dictators, you know, whether they're party leadership or party chair people or whatever that say, no, this is what we want. And if we lose, we're going to get you in another way. Mm -hmm. And you've been attacked. So you um, are suspended as a committee person. Yes. So I I get I have received no communications, no support. And that's okay because I'm going to go out to the people and discuss. I know that there's issues in our community and people want to discuss that and I will discuss it with them. Um, But it's very sad because I have people that are supposed to be that are touting that they are Republicans and just as conservative as, as I am. And they're calling me dark and dangerous and that I am affiliated with special interest groups. My special interest is actually parental rights and transparency and I would like to know the dark side. <laughs> yes, I feel that we missed this. I mean, we've known Kelly and um, we know her personally. And maybe we are missing this dark underworld that you are courting here, Kelly. What you see is what you get. I'm sorry. This is not anything exciting. It's just actually the truth. And that's so, what we're going to speak, keep speaking the truth. And so essentially, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you care about children. Mm-hmm. You care about parental rights. And transparency transparency and financial accountability. We have had seven years before our current superintendent was in place. We had a balanced budget. The last four years, we've either had a $4 million or a $6 million deficit. And everybody just seems to be like, yeah, we can't really do anything. And they say, so my opponent actually just came out and said, Could I, that, is this your opponent uh, Republican on the Republican ballot or the Democratic opponent? The the you so-called, have a lot. The so-called yes. Republican, but he's actually going to be uh, shown as a Democrat. Um, he's on the ballot as a Democrat, right. but he's Republican. But I, what's that word? Rhino, something like that. Well, I know there's got to be a new word yeah, for a rhino who turns to a Democrat who is actually neither. Oh, I, I don't know what that even is. Just attacking me personally as being he's um, this individual say, stated that he needed to um, he only needed nine words to say why he was running. And it was to protect his children, to protect your children and his children from special interest groups. And that I was dark. And well, I, I would like to talk about that special interest groups. It by chance is at Moms for Liberty. It is. Yeah. So Moms for Liberty is super dangerous. They too care about the children. Again, for the listeners, we are using sarcasm at this point. Yes. yes. Just to clarify, because that's how Stephanie and I live by sarcasm. So yes, Pretty much. yes, go on. So Moms for Liberty is really about, again, transparency, um, parental rights, because the schools have taken over the job of the parent. And is, is there anything dark in their closet? I mean, I, I've heard liberals refer to them as murderers, and I'm really confused by that because I did not see them at the BLM, BLM riots. I, I don't know where they were. I didn't single single one of them. So there was just a meme put out with my picture 
Um, I was thankful. It was a nice picture with my mom's for Liberty shirt. Um, but it had a grizzly bear with blood all over it with two feet showing like two dead people with the LGBTQ flag ripped state and stating that uh, moms for Liberty will kill to get what they want. And I have a problem with that because I respect every person's dignity, but I don't want to identify people by their sexual identity. That takes away so much from a person. And so for when people want to say that's how we judge people. No, I don't judge a person by that. And that has nothing to do with their dignity as a person, but they want to label us as haters because of that. And that's just so untrue. And I I think it's really important for people to understand that this movement of protecting our children is not about being against gays or transgenders or anything else. It's about bringing sexualization into education. And that's really the issue because as a teacher, you really should not be on one side or the other. I never had a teacher talking about his or her wife, husband, whatever else, their personal life. It's not appropriate. And when you're bringing in that sort of information, that's a problem. So when you're hanging up a gay flag, that's a sexualization tool because it's identifying something very specific. I think that we have to, you know, what's good good for the goose is good for the good for the gander, so to speak. But we have to be super well, careful. And I think that's the left. And I, I say left here. Uh, it can be Republican or Democrat in this case, where the schools and kids are concerned. They're employing that tactic. And, you know, it's as old as the Bible. What's good is wrong. And what's wrong is good. You know, they turn good into wrong that you're what you're standing up for, Kelly and Moms for Liberty and so many others. And a lot of those groups came, up, uh, I think, uh, into um, play again with what they saw going on during COVID and so forth and saw the, even what the kids were learning, not just the masking and the injections and everything, but they turned something that has been for since the beginning of time, protecting your children, standing up for your children, having the right to teach your children as you see fit and turning that into something bad and, nef- and nefarious and dark and you know wrong because they want to control it. And I think that it boils down to control, who controls the minds of your child and how that um, goes from there. Do you think that's the same thing as to what you're seeing with these people? It is because it's basically, and people will say it's a conspiracy theory, but it's not. If you look at the origins of all the programs that we're bringing in, it's the Marxification of education. It actually has Marxification, Marxist roots, And if we look at that, it's how they're bringing it in and it's taking away from the rights because they feel like parents aren't doing a good enough job. So therefore they have to take over that parental role. And and for people who aren't familiar, the the CRT is basically, it it stems from Marxism, right? Yes. It's actually a, a, a theory, like a pedagogy. It's how you, what you teach. It's not actually material. It's, it's the way that you teach and it's a bringing forth critical consciousness. So it could be talking about anything from racism to sexualization, sexual identity, any of that. So it's race as a social construct and really it's systemic race. It's putting people as victims and people as oppressors. Mm-hmm. You know, it really reminds me of um, the idea. I think there was a study done and I don't know if I can bring the full study to my head at this particular moment. But essentially, there was a group of people who were given an idea ahead of time that someone was, um, they had a scar put on their face and that they were, you know, how did they think that the interviewer was, you know, treated them with that scar on their face? What was interesting is before they went into that interview, the scar was taken off their face, but yet all of them came back out and said, I feel like um, they were judging me because of the scar on my face. 
And so when we put the ideas it's in the, putting the bias, yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's putting exactly the bias right. in there before it occurs. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is what's happening. I've always said, I'm like, I don't know why anyone would read a, a book, a story time, like book to their child that talks about there being monsters in the closet or in the bed or being afraid of the dark. Because even if the book turns it around and says, don't be afraid of the dark. You already you just, put that idea in yeah, their head. You put the idea in their head. You yeah. just told your child, be afraid of the dark. There could be a monster in their closet. And then we wonder why they're screaming at night saying, there's a monster in my closet, right? right? So we're doing the same thing here. We're putting kids in the classroom saying, here, let's question our, let's question our gender. Let's question our race. You are an oppressor because you're white or you are a victim because you're black. I say that's racist. Yeah. You're telling me that because you're black, you don't you don't have the opportunity to succeed, that you're somehow, you know, held down just because of your because of your color. I mean, that that that's to me is just racist. The right there from the get go. It is. It's just full. It's just opposing and, and implementing that in a different way, just a reverse way. But it's the same thing. And I think this goes back to what we were talking about last week. When you're working on and talking about all these things, you're taking time from the school should be about academics that back to that reading, writing and arithmetic, preparing people for life after school to get a career, feed their families, take care of themselves, be self-sufficient. And when you're putting a lot of these things in there, one, we could debate the whole theory origins, why they're doing it and the control factor. But it's taking away from the basic education that these kids then aren't performing or able to perform in uh, the most simplest of tasks. So, you know, that that it's it's a it's a compounding problem. It's what they're teaching in the theory. But it's also then, I think, um, contributing to kids not performing academically like they should be. It is because once COVID hit, what what the whole opportunity was, was they said now they it was going to be the transformation of our educational system. So a what, lot of was the that agencies because COVID that was going to help us transform all yeah. of this. Okay. And, and so agencies like the um, American, the uh, Superintendents Association, um, the teachers unions. So a lot of UNESCO, a lot of the people that actually from above affect our educational system work together to say that we want to transform the educational system. And so what it was, it was a pivot from academics to soft skills competencies. And so the problem is they're saying, I know that we're not learning, but there's always room for improvement, but you know what? Our kids are not going to be able to learn until we teach them these soft skills while they're taking away time. So we've had learning loss from COVID. Now we've had continued learning loss because they don't want to address the actual problems of the academic loss because they say it's inequitable. So if we, if we talk about learning loss, then it's really not fair to the kids that aren't learning. So we're not going to talk about it. So (laughs) loss of words. There you go. (laughs) Sorry Um, for that. But so Instead of teaching two plus two equals four, we're going to teach the soft skills. I feel like I have to summarize these things because it's so ridiculous, you yeah. know, that you just you just can't make it up that we're going to teach these other things. And if we teach two plus two, that's kind of that's inequitable and we shouldn't be doing that. Is, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Or am I, have I just totally misunderstood? Well, they're saying that and they're saying, you know what, you don't really need to know two plus two because you can always actually look that up. So it's more important to be adaptable and flexible and collaborative so that when you get out, you can work with other people and then you can always have get those other skills later. You know what's not adaptable? When I can't get the correct change because the person doesn't know how to count cash with change anymore. Yeah, we're back to that. We discussed that last week and that's that's a bugaboo. I mean, if you give a kid a 
or at the cash register, a $20 bill and a quarter for $15, 15, 50, 25 and say, give me a five back. They have no idea what to do. They're calling a supervisor. Right. And they're saying, no, no, we're still going to focus on academics. So we're just adding this. But actually, there's they, when they say there's no room for improvement, in 2017, I can tell you that Cumberland Valley was 14% higher in their competencies. In 2019, they went down to where we are right now with the 42% of eighth graders competent in math. We have not improved since then. So we've had room for improvement for five years. And nothing. And nothing. And when you look at, let's, let's look at this on the the whole, the larger scale, in that I had a, a friend of mine say, we're like 37th in the world now in ranking. So I'm like, okay, let me go on a look. And you know, I had the darndest time trying to find our ranking, like literally in a lot of the surveys, the U.S. was not even listed. And I have to think, are they I trying? I saw that too. Are I they trying? Too. It's always been easy to find the ranking. And I thought that's really strange. And I didn't have enough time to actually find, I'm sure I could have dug and find it or found it, but I, it was in the 15 minutes that I had, I couldn't. And I'm like, that's strange. That's a, that's a usually easy, easy statistic. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So something is wrong. Something is happening. This is, this is a problem across, across the country. Not it's like those right to know requests. We're going to bury the information and make you uh, try to find it and hold it back until we decide we're good and ready to give it to you. Then blame you for costing us the money to try to give you the information you were entitled to in the first place. And on that note, we shall take a break and we'll be right back. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code out loud. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. 
Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news. Liberty and justice for all. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future again on AmericaOutloud.com. So Kelly, do you think that there is a, what, what is one thing a parent can do to see what is happening in their school district? Because this is not, well, first of all, Find out how your GOP is operating, right? Well, that's a bigger issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, but find out. Everyone needs to find that out. But but what can a parent do to find out what is happening in their school? So I would say start going to school meetings, talking to other parents. Can I, one quick question. Yeah. When you say school meetings, Kelly, you mean school board meetings or just the like meetings, the parent open houses and all those things? Okay. So get networking, right? Get networking in, in your community. But I would say start going to the school board meetings so you can see that interaction. You can see if there are any advocates on our school board, on your school board that you can you can talk to, you can reach out to. What we found and why a lot of parents stop going to school board meetings is because they don't get answers. So we talk, we put our concerns out there, we write emails and we get limited information back. So of course people are gonna give up for that, but you still have to keep going, you still have to show. But I would say for your children, find out. You can request their curriculum. Most teachers will give you that. Um, You may have to do a right to know to get their curriculum. And it should be out there. You will have to go into the school. So it's very inconvenient. It should be online to be transparent, but it's not. You'll have to go into the school, make an appointment and sit down and go through the curriculum. You can do week to week. You can do a month ahead of time. The problem is you don't always see the digital curriculum and the supplemental material that teachers get. Now they say they should be able to provide that. However, we found that that's not always the case. And and let me say this, pay attention to the legislation that's coming across your state 
I know in Pennsylvania, some legislation has been introduced to create transparency that every single senator, every single rep should back. I mean, there's no reason for us to hide stuff from the very taxpayers paying for it. And what it would require is that the school's um, have online access to all the curriculum, everything going on within the school system and for it to be continuously updated. Um, so, you know, if you have a senator or a representative who is putting out legislation like that, help them. Yes, support them. S- support them. Call other um, other reps in your area to let them know you support that sort of legislation because it, it's on both sides, right? Right. We, we've got to get, we've got to hit this to where the school districts have to listen. So one of the things too is surveys and questionnaires that they give out to students. And so they will tout them as health, wellness, um, well-being surveys, but it's very invasive. It's data mining. And we have a system where it's opt out. So you have to request the survey. However, if you call the school and say, when are you going to do a certain survey, they'll be like, we're not really sure. So you have to kind of keep on. They do know it's on the calendar. Um, Even I've done a right to no request for all the surveys that were going to be. And they said, we don't have them scheduled yet. So they can get around it, but we still have to keep asking. But what I would say is there's opt out. If you feel like you look at curriculum and you see something coming down the pike that you don't agree with, you can do an opt out. The problem is now it's also policy. And this is why school boards are so important because they make the policies. And so our policy in every other school district in Pennsylvania has the same because PSBA sets the policies. And PSBA is the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Correct. And every state would have a similar type of uh, organization. And they just check it off. They send the policy now and the school board just checks it off. And our policy for opting out says that you can write in, you can give an example or give state why you want your child opt out of this. They might question it, but even if they grant it, the policy reads that the child actually has to get up, notify the teacher and get out of their chair and remove themselves from the room. And that's so not fair to kids. A, a first grader, right. a third grader, even a high schooler, like all different well, reasons. They're not going to do that. I'll be honest. I, I have had the conversation with my children that if a survey comes their way, they do not have to fill it out. And that if they are uncomfortable with anything that authority tells them, say, I would like to call my mother and I will answer when she gets there and to give the kids the right to say no, because I think yes. part of the problem within the U.S. is that we have been trained to listen to authority blindly. Yes, I respect authority, but that does not mean I have to agree with authority, especially if it's not logical or, or rational. And so I teach my children that so that they know mom's going to stand behind them mm-hmm. if they if they decide to say no, because it's their right to say no. A child always has the right to say no to a doctor to a teacher, to a principal, to whoever it is, they can say no. And I teach my kids that. I think that goes back to, and and this is something I think that is very important because I I, I had fights with the school um, board, went to meetings and various things when my kids were in school, um, not to the level that it is now and has happened, I think, since COVID. But the one thing I think you have to do, two things, is one, you have to have a relationship with your kids to know what's going on and have them share that with you. And so that they're free to say, you know what we did today? And that you're asking them those questions because there's a whole lot of parents anymore that don't have dinner together or aren't spending time with their kids. So they don't know that information. And the other thing is you're talking, Kelly, I'm thinking, man, that's a lot, you know, to find this information out and get it. But I would say this to parents and I challenge if you're right away saying, oh, that's a lot. I don't have time for that. 
we have a focused, crazy culture on excelling in sports and extracurricular activities and the lengths that folks go to, and I'm, you're a health education and own a fitness center. So this is probably, I shouldn't say this, but Kelly about over, uh, but they're overly, they take the kids to practices and extra training. And if you're a cheerleader, you go to extra, um, you know, dance classes and all this kind of stuff. If you're willing to invest all that time and energy into an extracurricular activity, and I know everyone thinks their child is the next professional something. Less than 1%. I know, but everybody thinks that. I don't. My kids, <laughs> what girls wanted to be cheerleaders that I called and said, what, when they were younger, I said, what's the, what do you do? And I just started laughing at the woman because it was so preposterous for a second grade cheerleader, but I digress. But if you're doing all that for an extracurricular activity, why wouldn't you be willing to do it and put in half that time into what they're doing six to eight hours a day in that classroom and in that school building and to, and to find out what, what's happening. And here's the thing, Kathy, you can actually, this one, what you talked about networking, it, it is networking with other parents in your, in the same grade. So you can take turns going in and then sharing the information. So it's not just on one parent, gather those people and then share your notes after reviewing the curriculum. And if you're like-minded, then you have that information. And I think that's probably one of the biggest messages that we will continuously say yes. is that you need to stick, you, you need to find your people, yeah. find your tribe. And this is the easiest time to do it. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. If someone is wearing a mask, they are not your tribe or you're, <laughs> you're not correct. listening to this, you know, this, <laughs> this show. Right. And that, and we will, that's one of the reasons we're doing this show is to encourage people to find your people. There's strength in numbers and there's just um, fun in numbers yes. because there's one thing, I mean, those school board meetings that you've attended, Kelly, are not fun in games when they're running you around and doing all this stuff. But yet you can laugh at the ridiculousness of it when you're with friends who've also been with, I mean, it is, it, it's a heavy thing. I'm not making light of what's going on, but you have friends who you can enjoy the ridiculousness. With. Look, some of the, the best laughs I had was over making fun of the chairman of the GOP. Right. Let's, <laughs> let's face it. Like that was a good time. Yes. Yeah. And that's ongoing. <laughs> and, and we continue to say COVID was the best time for us because we found our people and all those things. And, and, and this, yeah. the, I mean, it's actually a blessing in disguise because of what you discovered through that huge time. Yes. Yeah. And I'm very thankful for that. And courage breeds courage, right? And so it's important. Say that again. Courage breeds courage. That's great. And it is important because I have people all the time. I'll, I'll be at Giant and they'll come up to me and they're like, are you Kelly Pottinger? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, I listen to you at the school board meetings, but I can't make it. And, and I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. And that is so important. So if you can't be the person going to the school board meetings and speaking, if you are listening or you do support, let people know, because that that makes my day to hear that that that's very encouraging to help keep going. Um, but we also need the people to show up. Right. So there's there's all the different factors of that. But it is important to know that you are inspiring. Absolutely. And everybody wants to know that um, that something good is happening from the effort that they're putting into it. Definitely. So, Kelly, um, you're so you you're doing all this at the school board level. You're going to the meetings. You're putting out information. You run for um uh, you're running for office, and that you're up for the general election is in November, correct? Yep, November seventh. Yes, you're getting zero support from the Republicans, even though you won the Republican primary. Which I think you said earlier. They said, "Oh, there's no conflict between being a committee person, school board, because we'll let the voters decide." Exactly. Ha ha ha. And so you're getting no support. So what are you doing when you? 
you're not having the support from your own party, even though you won the race and you're getting pushed back all at every turn. What what are you doing and how are you moving forward with your campaign and just, um, you know, trying to enact change at the school level? I think it's the same thing as just, even though I'm indefinitely suspended as committee person, I would do the same thing that I would do whether I was a committee person or not and help individuals learn about voting, the importance of voting and who they should vote for and who the conservative candidates are. The problem is not having the backing. And then the bigger problem is actually having the GOP local actually attacking me and saying, so the problem is why they're not supporting me is because they said I'm speaking out against the GOP. And so if I would just be quiet, then I, good things would happen to me actually was a quote. Was that Um, a quote? That was a quote. (laughs) Like, would you win the lottery? Would you win the lottery? That would be a good thing or it could, it could just be a lollipop. I don't know. They're not defining good things. They are not defining good things. You might want to get that defined Kelly before you. I would get that written out. Yeah. Just to, yes, yes. I'm not going to hold my breath or wait for that. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and speaking the truth and going out to the community where people are real and they have real problems and they want real answers. And so they're tired of people just once they get elected to the position of school board, they have this idea because PSBA tells them that they're the team of 10. So the nine board members plus the superintendent, and then they're the make the decisions. So after we elect them, they basically for four years are like, no, I have this. I don't really need to know what you think. And I'm going to make the decision because I know everything about this. So I would like to, once again, on the school board, have that interaction with my constituents and actually say, can you people help me? If we have a situation that we're researching or curriculum that we're researching, have a team of parents and community members say, can you help me research this? So we get that engagement and um, interaction. We actually just, our school, but I know other schools are doing this. So it's not just our school district. It's not probably statewide. It's probably nationwide that they're hiring PR firms. So we just hired a PR firm for $5,000 a month of taxpayer money so that they can interact with individuals that don't have kids in the school. What better way actually to bring them in is actually get them involved with decision making. But we don't want that. We're just going to tell them how good we are. And that's what our PR firms, I guess, going to do. I'm really curious how many other stories are like this out there, because we're definitely not hearing these local stories. No, I mean, it's it's community focused. So, you know, you see it or and you have to know the people. And I think that's the thing. But it's happening. I mean, from the people we know, it's happening all over the state of Pennsylvania. But I would bet in other states as well and things that we hear on a macro level. This is a micro level because we know the people here. And people are speaking up. But honestly, they um, it's a bully atmosphere. We've had an anti-bullying campaign in schools and nationwide for how long? And it's really interesting what that feels like. Um, And our kids feel that even when our kids want to speak up in class about their values and if they don't agree with something, but they're actually, that bully atmosphere is against them if you're conservative. I, I told a real you, conservative, yeah. because let's be clear, the GOP is really not conservative. I mean, they are the Democratic Party. There are conservative just, GOP members, but as- Right, a, I mean, there, we, have, we right. have some really, really good representatives, really, really good senators, but a handful. The majority of them are literally, you know, taking the same money, you know, the the one guy who funds a huge GOP pack is like best friends with our Governor Shapiro, who is a terrible, who was a terrible AG. Well, just terrible in general, to be honest with you. I, I don't have much good to say. I, well, he did bring people back to work at the Capitol. So I will give him that. There's there's one thing he did great. 
Well, you know, thank I you. Used, I thank used you, to, Mr. Shapiro. I used to tell my kids that when they were little, like, why are we Republicans? What's the difference between a Republican and Democrat? And I would say, because they're, you know, they're age appropriate. Republicans believe in the voice of the people and that people have the power over their situation and so forth. And certainly there are people that struggle and we should help them and be compassionate to them and help bring them, give them a hand up. And people that have not had advantages, you know, a child that ages out of foster care, for instance, has a 50% likelihood they'll end up homeless. I mean, we should work to help those kids because it's not their fault. But the difference between a Republican is that they believe in people and the power of people to do that. Democrats tend to believe in the power of government to solve the problems. And that's how I used to explain that to our, our kids. And I think that's great. That's yeah, great. That's yeah and, right. But I think, you know, now the Republicans or it's just the the um, the elites again, the leadership like I want to control it. And I want um, uh, um, here's my marbles. And if it you know, if, if we don't play with my marbles, I'm going home, you know, that proverbial playground thing. If I mess that up, I apologize. But, you know, you know what I'm I trying said, to say. I messed up the research study earlier. Okay. I mean, so, but we all got the idea. Right. But I, I have to say I am a Republican committee person for now, maybe not after today. And um, I've watched firsthand some of the I can't even begin to describe it to people listening um, when Kelly was removed and others. Um, for basically not supporting maybe the candidate that they preferred. I mean, which is, again, in a, um, in a primary, in a primary that's very voters are choosing. Right. Correct. And um, it, it was a court. They called it a court and a trial. And uh, I've never seen anything like it in my life. But again, it's removing the people that are an obstacle to whatever you want. It doesn't have anything to do with the kids. It doesn't have anything. It's about and I go back to it. I say, I think I said it earlier, control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to control it. This is what I want to do. And uh, I don't want you, Kelly Pottinger, showing up at a meeting, asking for information and messing it up. Right. And uh, we do. We have a good school and we have good teachers and they're not getting the resources because of those people that want to control the agenda and the curriculum that they're bringing in. And so that's why the school boards have so much power. They have power over the superintendent. Most people think the superintendent is over the school board. He is not. He's hired by the school board. But the problem is that most school boards have given their power over to the superintendent. And so the perception is what actually their reality is. But that's not how it's supposed to be. So one of the most powerful things that really we can do as everyday people is to get on those school board positions, get into those local positions. At the very least to get involved and see what's happening. Right, right. Right. But you really need like-minded people. The person who can fill that position, fill that position. The person who can't support that person filling the position. Like we have to work together as teams if we're going to change this around because quite frankly, I mean, we have gone from top education in the world to struggling. Dismal. Dismal. Yeah, Yeah. it's dismal. You know, and I think the thing here, these things don't happen overnight. A lot of us noticed it during COVID. But when my my kids are in their 20s now, when they were younger, um, I noticed it. So little things. And again, I think you need to pay attention to the little things. Mm -hmm. Um, They did kid writing, they called it, like in first kindergarten, first grade. And I look back now, I... They they what just is kid, write, what is kid writing? So you don't write it like the correct spelling and words. So like if you write a sentence out like you're writing about something, mm-hmm. you write like I are feeling good. So I a letter R. I mean it's it's you know no completely vowels. Wrong. Yeah, completely wrong. But they would say, isn't that great? Because you're learning how to express themselves. Well, learn how to express yourself and With- spell things correctly. <laughs> you know, yes. but you have to do that. And so life. if you've ever listened to the podcast, I would recommend this to anybody sold a story. It talks about how phonics 
was dismissed as a way to teach reading. And we bought into all these other um, disciplines to do it. And they were said they were evidence-based and they weren't to the point that we had federal funding. We had every school was doing it. And this is what I'm saying. This is exactly what SEL. There's no evidence to show that it's going to help academic achievement. And that's what they're selling. But everybody's like, no, no, it's there. It's there. No, read the studies. And well, if we look at that, it's that's like the rest of research. It's all fraudulent when it comes down to it. I, you know, when I was, um, when I was studying and writing dissertation, you go back to the original source and I found all these mm-hmm. citations but the citations weren't actually citing their original source. They were just kind of repeating each yes. other. And you go back to the original source and it wasn't, it was taken out of context. Yep. And you see that throughout and it doesn't matter. It's all of research at this point, which I we've seen it in medicine. We've seen it in science. We're seeing it in education. It is across the board. And I think it's very deliberate. And I, it I is. and right. I, I continuously say this, that if you go back to, to Dewey, who mm-hmm. said through research, we, you know, you can d- basically dumb down the nation, yeah. right? That's what they've done through research because we believe in it rather than going back. So one of the, so I guess what I'm saying is we as people have got to look at original sources just because you see a meme come across Facebook or TikTok or whatever else does not mean it's true. And I think we forget that. So I'm constantly speaking out about SEL, social emotional learning, and how it's taking over away from academic learning time. Can I just say, yeah. I mean, it sounds lovely. It does. Really, social emotional learning, because that is important that you have, you know, social skills. And found, emo- okay, so I got all of this stuff sounds lovely. So time management, ahead. study okay. skills, all time good, management is very but good, empathy yes. responsibility is through the lens of equity. And who is that? That could be, that could be different from you, Kathy, yes. to me. Right. And yes. so we are similarly like-minded, but now compared to somebody else who's not like-minded teaching my child responsibility, because portrait of an eagle for Cumberland Valley will say that responsibility is doing the right thing for the common good. I'm sorry. That's not how I teach my children responsibility. I teach them individual responsibility. And then along with that comes taking care of your neighbor. But that's not the general definition of responsibility. And that's that general accountability. Right. Um, and that goes back. It's the whole, it's from it's from the macro, micro, the child, the accountability and mm-hmm. what you're learning about individual responsibility for your own actions. And then the macro, well, the budget is out of whack and we have a deficit. Oh, we have no plan. You know, we're not, we're not accountable. I mean, again, it's that accountability, personal accountability. So I got shut down. Well, they tried to shut me down at the end of the last school board meeting because they said, the superintendent said, listen, Kelly, I just looked up and there's a Yale study, July 23. And it, I'm so excited because it shows it's a new meta analysis that shows that social emotional learning does improve. So uh, personal awareness, self-management, academics. So I said, Okay, I'm going to go and read it. So you had to pay for it. So I'm sure he didn't get it because he was reading the little summary. So I actually have read it and I'll be doing a video about that. Um, no, I actually got it through a library through Messiah because I'm an alumni. So they okay. gave it to me. Yeah. Um, so I, I got it and I actually read it. And you know what it says? There is a replete of um, missingness. Did you ever hear that in research? Yeah, it's like a new thing because I had to look what it up. What does that mean? It's, it's actually replete means full crowded, crammed, overflowing, basically, of missingness of the data and the evidence for what they say. Now, at the beginning, they'll say, oh, no, we believe that these studies are going to work. But when you actually get into the data and their conclusion, their own words, replete of missingness. I I like I, that. I feel I, like that's another nice. thing we should have on T-shirts. It's that's a replete no of missingness. 
feel like there's something called a word salad that keeps coming <laughs> yes. into play here. Yeah. Well, you know, we we sound warm, we sound fuzzy. I'm going to read the conclusion and oh, but when you actually get into the depths of things, like every other research study, yeah. I mean, that was like um, Kuth. I've been talking about Kuth yes. lately. Wrote an article on Kuth, and their 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 study stated that it would benefit the kids. So you go into the actual study. The only benefit that came out of the study, literally, the only thing was you could save on space. That was it. Yeah, there's no, there is nothing that's going to help the child. And yet that was the conclusion. So unless you're going again to that source and you're reading everything, you're not getting the information. And I promise you, I promise you this because I, it happens all the time. No one, your enemy, your ops, not that anyone's enemy, but the other person handing you that study is probably not actually reading it because uh, when I pull it every single time and I hand it back and I've read it every time they're in shock. Yeah that the conclusion doesn't match the actual text. I have my highlights, so I will be able to share that with the school board because I'm pretty sure after our superintendent said that that was true, they were like, see, we're doing the right thing. And that's it. And that's where it ended. And, and, you know, there again, it's that assumptive, you know, I read the little summary, I'm done, or I I hear... uh, I I remember seeing that when the kids are same school district. We have the same school district here in common. Um, they did away with grades in the elementary school because they didn't want you to feel bad if you got a bad grade. And they went to these grades like NPR. I don't even know what they were. I couldn't understand. There was no concrete, you know, why you get one grade or another. And on there was f- mastery, proficient, and remedial. Yes. And the- you have to be really bad to be remedial. That's, oh, that's, that's <laughs> that master's coming through right there, Kelly. She couldn't even <laughs> identify what the letters were. I don't even know, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, my, I daughter, my daughter struggled. Our next door neighbor boy was advanced and they had the same letter grade. Mm. But I remember, and this is that where they know better. We had a meeting and I was fighting that with this elimination from grades. And um, a mother stood up and she obviously had some challenges. And she said, without grades, I don't know what my kid's learning. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how to help him. This is what the director of elementary education said in front of hundreds of people. Don't worry. We have programs to help with your special needs child. First of all, no, no one knew what that child, I mean, how does she know that from standing there in the front of the stage? But she was assumptive because of a mother who didn't speak very well and had mm. some challenges herself, but we know better. Yeah. And we don't need to worry about these grades because we will help. And I remember that that summed up everything of that kind of imperialistic, it's us against you right. and we're elite and you don't know, mom. And I felt bad for that mom because it wasn't right. So those are the kinds of things, again, the statistical things, the meetings that we go to, the things that we see, and the anecdotal things of, you know, watching this in action. It's it's scary. Yeah. And I think to actually one of the other things to do is to get have relationships with teachers, right? And so what they want to say is that it's us against them. And they've created that scenario. So parents so the teachers are afraid to talk to parents because they think they're going to come at them. But it's only because of past experiences where they feel like they're not getting the information. But I think it is really important. If we can change that culture where they feel like they can actually build a relationship, then there can have some normal conversations. And everything's about relationships. I have a family of educators. My father-in-law was a school superintendent, family members that are teachers. Again, to be respectful, they're people, they're doing a job. I think the majority of teachers are trying hard. Yes, they they are. want the best for your kids and um, to be respectful. You don't want to go in there guns blazing on every single thing, but try to have a dialogue and people respond to that. And when the teacher does well, tell the teacher that they did well, because um, they want to hear that. Just like you said, you want people to say that they appreciate what you're doing. The teacher wants to hear that. Right. So Kelly, we wish you well, and we appreciate you sharing your journey with what you're doing 
And um, I hope other people have learned from this as they're hearing us. Um, uh, the takeaways as we end and just summarize it in seconds, what else can we be doing? I think I think we need to, first of all, show up. You're absolutely right that your child may be in sports and that may be wonderful, but taking off one day a month off of that sport to show up and give it an opinion to find out what's going on at the board meetings at the board meetings is absolutely necessary. Right. And understanding the policies too. So here's one of my concerns and what I'd like to change is we actually voted to not um, have our school board meetings live stream. So our, our regular school board meetings are live streams, but the committee meetings, the policy, the safety, the financial are all not live stream, so people can't see it. It's eight o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the afternoon. Ask your board to make those transparent and live stream. It's not it's not costly. And then also to record so people can get engaged and involved. And so to request information to and, and talk to your kids and talk to the teachers and ask and opt out and check about surveys and all of those other things that are being thrown at you. And read the school forms that you are signing at yes. the beginning of I, the year. I have to admit, I was guilty of that. I just wanted to sign if, the 48 things and didn't read. Yeah, of them. you've got to mark them off. You've got, you know, if you don't agree something, mark it out. Do not, do not blank, blankly sign anything. I mean, that is, it, that is craziness. So make sure you're reading every single thing that comes in, everything that has a signature, you know, these are just some small things that you can do in order to ensure that you are protecting your child. So at the end of the day, and what we continue to say here is find your community and wherever you are, whatever you can do today, stand up, step forward and speak out because that's the most important thing to the capacity you're able. Do you want to say it again, Stephanie, so everyone knows? Stand up, step forward and speak out.